Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. It's time to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The heavens have opened, as I predicted yesterday. Some of you rather unwisely were saying to me late afternoon yesterday, where's all this rain you said was going to happen? Well, let me tell you, down in Hastings, they had half an inch of rain in one hour alone. But the torrential downpour has failed to cleanse us from our collective malaise, which is, of course, that our mass inability to determine what the truth actually is out there means that we don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore. This morning, however, I'm very happy to report that we have a focal point at which to point our collective ire. And it is everyone's least favourite royal couple. That's right, it's Harry and Meghan, uh, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Remember them? The pair that asked for privacy about the birth of their first child and then lied to everyone about when baby Archie was born and where baby Archie was born. Now it turns out they've spent £2.4 million of public money doing up their home in Windsor, something we were told they were paying for themselves. Frogmore Cottage, gifted to the royal couple by the Queen, no less, has a lovely new kitchen, apparently, several bathrooms, and it used to house five different dwellings. All the walls have been knocked together, all the ceilings have been raised. On top of that, Meghan, apparently, has apparently amassed a £600,000 jewellery collection uh, into the bargain. But they want us to believe they're just like everybody else. I've said it before, and I will say it again. I'm afraid they should just resign from the royal family and go and live like all the other rich, overprivileged, young men millionaire couples that there are in the world. We were talking with Julie Hartley Brewer there about influential couples and influential people on the Tatler list. Well, I'm sure Harry and Meghan will be devastated to see uh, that Prince William and his wife Kate are number one and they're not even in the top ten, which is, of course, all they care about. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll be talking about another one of their favourite subjects and one of my bugbears, and that is climate change. Last night, our MPs decided to glue themselves to a new law that commits us to net zero carbon emissions by 2050 without actually voting on anything at all. And John McDonnell, get this, uh, the deputy uh, leader, well, the shadow chancellor, I should say, is threatening to remove and delist any companies from the the London Stock Exchange if they refuse to save the planet. What on earth is going on? 0344 499 1000. Plus, we'll be hearing from the next Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, uh, who's going to be appearing on the show too. Uh, he's talking to Ross Kempsell, our political editor, and setting out his stall for why he believes he would be the best prime ministerial candidate and why he thinks he's going to be able to take us out of the European Union by uh, the end of October. Halloween, to be precise, October the 31st. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk 
Talk Radio. Now, we've already heard about how Gordon Brown believes that if Boris Johnson becomes Prime Minister, the United Kingdom could split up. Gordon Brown, of course, without using any irony whatsoever, uh, doesn't actually realise that one of the beginning reasons for that possible split is because the Labour government, when he was Chancellor, granted devolution to Scotland, to Northern Ireland and to Wales. Let's cross now, though, to Ross Campbell, speaking with the front-runner to be the next leader of the Conservative Party and, of course, Prime Minister. Mr Johnson, thank you so much for joining us on Talk Radio. Absolute pleasure. It's day one, you're in Downing Street, you've written those letters to the submarine commanders. What's next? What's the first thing you do? Number one, Ross, we need to be increasing our spending on, on education around the country and lifting up the uh, per capita spend. Uh, number two, we want to have a big programme of, of transport infrastructure and I'm looking at all sorts of things we can do to help Andy Street in the West Midlands, looking at Northern Powerhouse Rail, looking at all sorts of things we can do to help with our, our roads. Uh, we need to be putting some money in police. And on Brexit. And on so Brexit. Uh, we will, of course, be uh, pushing our plan into action. So we understand. And getting ready to come out on October the... the 31st. 31st, correct. Come, come what may. Come what may. Do or die. Come what may. Do or die. Come what may. Plan A is to get an agreement that's better than the current one, you've said, and to get out on October the 31st. Now, if that's blocked by Parliament, blocked by MPs, blocked by the European Union, what is plan B? Well, uh, first of all, uh, we need to get rid of this current withdrawal agreement and get the best bits in it, put them through uh, Parliament, and then we want to make sure that we keep that money suspended uh, and waiting to hand it over if, the, if we get the deal that we want. Right. And then we want to make sure that we come up with the solutions for the, for the Northern Irish border. And I think that the way to come out is with a, a standstill between the, the, the UK and the, and the EU so that we keep going with the existing arrangements until such time as we've completed our free trade agreement. And we use that period to solve the questions of, of the Northern Irish border. You said yesterday... That, I think we can do that. You said yesterday I'm that positive energy would help. It's, I think a bit of positive energy would help, frankly. I think we've been... You know, we've go through, we've, I've never seen such morosity and gloom from a, a government. For three years, we've been sitting around, uh, wrapped in, in, in defeatism, telling the British public that they can't do this or that. It is pathetic. But it's going to take it more... It is absolutely pathetic. It's going to take I, more I, than positive energy. That's what no, your, your critics say. It's not, it's not just about bluster. It's not just about pos positive energy. What's plan B? What is plan B if it gets blocked? Don't forget, we haven't even really wanted to come out. That's the whole... That's the, the heart of the problem. What we've been doing is we've been creating our own incarcerate, our own prison. We've, we've, the, the backstop, the customs union, the, the single market are all basically designed to keep us in. So plan B yep. and C and D. Yep. Plan, plan B, we get the deal we want, the, the type I've described. Plan B is to get a, a standstill agreement, a gap to a 24 paragraph 5B type agreement, yeah. If that, if the EU won't do that, hang on, hang on. If the EU won't do that, and we have to come out on WTO terms, then Plan C would be to get ready for that outcome, and obviously we're going to do that. And it's very, very important that we do. And the British people have had enough of being told that they're incapable of getting ready to do this. Actually, the preparations by March the 29th were, 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 were pretty. Far advanced. Can, can, and, can and they you? can be and they can be okay. very far advanced okay, fine. by, by fine, October fine. the thirty first. Okay. Uh, accept that's the plan. So, so that's can, plan so, A, so, B, A, and C. A, B and C. So say they've all gone wrong. Can you categorically can rule you, out what is this defeatism? I mean this is unbelievable. Can you categorically rule out an extension, a further extension? Yes, categorically I, rule yes, it out. Because, let me tell you why. Because okay. because it would be up to the Prime Minister of the day, I hope myself, uh, to decide under the current terms of the extension that we have, to apply for such an extension. Okay. And it is up to the EU to decide whether to grant it. At the moment, the law says that the UK is leaving the EU. International treaty law says the UK is leaving the EU on the 31st of October. So no further extension so to Article 50? No further extension? No. Okay. If you can't get changes that you want to the withdrawal agreement, would something in the political declaration, like a timetable on the backstop, would that potentially be enough? Or has it got to be I the think, withdrawal I agreement? Think the, I think the withdrawal agreement itself 
as indeed Theresa May admitted in the House of Commons, is defective, and it's over. So it's got to be a change to the withdrawal agreement, not it's the It's got to be a change to the withdrawal agreement. Okay. I mean, more than a change, it's got to be, you know, we need a new withdrawal agreement. If, if we're going to go out with the basis, on the basis of, of, of a withdrawal agreement okay. at all. And, okay, so, and, and, and if none of this happens, if it all goes wrong, will you commit your premiership on this? Will you resign well, if look, you can't get us out on October the 31st? I think that it follows from everything I've said, that I think politics is at a crossroads in this country, and it is fundamental to trust in politics that we come out of the EU. Uh, you know, we've had, we've had two delays now. Yeah. All I would say to my, my friends and colleagues in, yeah. in, in Parliament is they've had a long time let's, now let's, to think let's, about this. Let's move on from Brexit. Go why on, why would you be a better Prime Minister than Jeremy Hunt? Look, I don't want to cast any aspersions on, on, uh, on, on my opponent. All I would say is that I think I have three uh, key merits. I fought for Brexit. I believe in it. I could, uh, unlike uh, any other candidate in this election, I can deliver it. Unlike any other candidate in this, in this election, uh, I can also formulate a great one-nation uh, modern conservative agenda and show how I can unite the whole country, unlike any other candidate. And, and you look at what we did in London. And uh, I believe that I'm the only candidate uh, who can actually uh, get ready uh, in due course to defeat Jeremy Corbyn. So quick, and, very, very quick and, stuff on your, yeah. on, your, on your personal lifestyle. What do you do to relax? What do you do to switch off? Uh, I, I, well, I like to paint. Um, oh, I make things. I like to... What do you make? I make... I have a thing where I make models of... I be, when I was in like, well, Mayor of London, we build a beautiful... I make buses. You make models of buses. I make models of buses. See, they're going to be I in Downing Street. So, so what I do... No, what I don't make models of buses, but what I, I make is... I get, I get old, um, I don't know, cr wooden crates. Yeah. Right? And then I paint them. And they, uh, and they have two... two suppose it's a, wine, it's a box that's been used to contain two, two wine bottles, right? Right. And it will have a, 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 a dividing thing. Yeah. And I turn it into a bus, and I, so I, I put passengers. You really want to know this? You're making, you know the, you're making make, buses. Make, yeah, you're I making paint, cardboard I, buses. I paint, no, okay, I that's paint, what you do to enjoy yourself. I paint, no, I paint no. the passengers enjoying themselves okay, great. on the wonderful bus. Great. Low carbon, what? of a kind that we brought to the streets of London, uh, reducing if, CO2, if, if reducing nitrous if, oxide, reducing pollution. If, if you weren't uh, Boris uh, Johnson, if you weren't Boris Johnson, which what? other figure from history would you be? Uh, I would like to... Oh, I would if you like weren't born Boris Johnson... Well, uh, I think I've always greatly admired Pericles of Athens because he was the guy who said uh, that politics was about the many, not the few. He was the first to, to, to use exactly that phrase. A great orator as well. And a great orator. And uh, he, uh, it, it was said that he thundered and lightened when he, when he spoke. But uh, what, he, what he did was he used great infrastructure. Uh, he invested in fantastic infrastructure uh, he developed the the not just the Acropolis, but the Piraeus port, okay. which was integral to the success of, uh, what, of Athens. What makes you angry? Do you get angry easily? I'm a pretty. I I I, I think I'm a pretty um, even-tempered kind of guy. Uh, I, I, I I I don't easily get angry. What makes no. you happiest then? When are you at your happiest as a man? When are you happiest? Yeah, very good question. Um, I think, I think, like all human beings, I probably feel happiest when I've accomplished something that I've worked very hard to, to do. And that gives me... So, um, are you enjoying, are you enjoying it, this campaign? Are you, yes, are you enjoying this campaign, not being a submarine I, anymore? I always enjoy, I always enjoy campaigns. Uh, I, lo I love campaigning. Um, but what makes, me, what makes me happiest, I think, is... is, is the sense of completing a great task. And that is what we must do. And that I will not be happy and I will not rest until we get out of the EU on October the 31st. I'll it is not the, talk sport it is not like the beginning, of, it is not the beginning of any, any great what? task, but the continuing of the what? same until it be thoroughly finished that yieldeth the true glory. What was the last that sports is, match you watched? Um, oh God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> not much of a sports match. <laughs> yeah, what was the last sports match I watched? I mean. Um, I, I football or rugby? 
Um, I suppose I must have watched some... I don't ever watch TV anymore. Um, what was the last I, sport you played? I played tennis quite a lot. Tennis? Well, I played tennis quite a lot, yeah. Um, so if you're I Prime played, Minister, I you'll played, be in the box I, at Wimbledon? I have been at the box at Wimbledon. I, I tell you what, I, know, I, watched a, I watched a cricket match. I, watched, I went to watch England against someone or other, and unfortunately I fell asleep. That, anyway, that went, that, went, that went badly. Boris um, Johnson, thank you very much for joining <laughs> us on Talk Radio. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure. Boris Johnson talking to Ross Kempsell there uh, this morning and giving away quite a few interesting uh, insights into his life, his private life. I've got perhaps the best summation of uh, one of those questions from Richard, who's tweeted, what does Boris write on the side of the toy buses he creates? Which is rather funny. Um, let's go to Ross Kempsell now uh, and find out what he made of it all. Ross, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Well done indeed. A great uh, scoop there. And uh, managed to get Boris Johnson to talk a bit about his private life, which he doesn't really say he likes to do. So... Well done for doing that. An extraordinary morning inside Boris Johnson's campaign headquarters. We were in his nerve centre. He told us exclusively on talk radio that he could categorically rule out any further extension to Article 50. Yeah. Now, that is an extremely tough public position to row back from, should he need to, in October. He also said that we would leave the European Union, the UK would leave the European Union, on the 31st of October, do or die. Now, that phrase has been used before by one of his allies, his trust, it's the first time that he said it. You could read him committing his premiership into that, but he did row back from committing formally to resign if he is unable to deliver Brexit a little bit later on in that interview. And he also said he doesn't think that Jeremy Hunt actually believes in Brexit, which is an interesting line too. So he said that he's the only candidate in this race, and he kept saying that. I mean, there are only two, so we know who he means. He's the only candidate in this race who believes in Brexit, and he says that he's the only candidate in this race who can deliver Brexit. A strong intervention challenging Jeremy Hunt, who has been on the attack against Mr Johnson over that story about his personal life in the last 48 hours or so or more. So that is a, a significant uh, exchange of fire from the Johnson campaign to uh, Mr Hunt this morning. Exactly right. And what was his mood? How did you detect him? Because he's been criticised over the past few days very much for not being uh, out there in the limelight. You made a sort of uh, a suggestion to him that uh, he's now come out, if you like. He's no longer working as the submarine candidate. Does he look as if he's at ease doing it? Well, I asked Mr Johnson whether he gets angry easily and he said that he's a pretty even-tempered kind of guy. He denied that he gets angry easily. Now, that's uh, the first time that we've heard him comment on anything to do with his kind of character, his temper, after those reports over the weekend. So attempting, I think, to pour some cold water on that story and to move on from it this morning. Uh, you also heard that discussion, that discussion about what Mr Johnson does with his spare time, how he relaxes. He told me that he paints buses, cardboard mm. models of buses out of old wine boxes and paints the people enjoying themselves. I wasn't entirely sure whether to take Mr Johnson seriously on that or not, but he was certainly very forthcoming in the interview. I would uh, describe his mood as jovial. He seemed to be very upbeat and uh, he's uh, departing today. He's just left his campaign HQ to go on a day of public campaigning around the country. Now, he also... Uh, uh, refused uh, or was not able to uh, name the last sports match that he watched. So clearly not something that he likes to do in his spare time. Uh, uh, but he was, he was very forthcoming and I think it was a revealing insight into something of the man rather than just the politician. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, better to hit for, to, for him to say that he can't remember the last sporting event that he attended rather than pretending to be an Aston Villa fan, uh, as, of course, one of his predecessors, David Cameron, did, which sort of came back to haunt him. And it didn't do Tony Blair any favours either uh, when he had his anecdotes about football. Oh, absolutely. So he, he swerved that one all the day. He did say that he'd been at a cricket match, but he'd fallen asleep. <laughs> so, uh, we saw a little bit of the return of Mr. Johnson's humour. We saw a little bit of the return of the Boris Johnson. I think that uh, many observers have come to know. There was this question mark hanging over whether uh, a little bit of the life had gone out of this campaign. It certainly hasn't on the, on the basis of that interview, where Mr. Johnson, I think, was quite jovial, quite willing to make jokes, quite willing to be self-deprecating that kind of personality, that kind of uh, uh, tactic, whether it is a tactic or whether that's just him that he's famous for, it was a little bit of a return to the Boris Johnson that we've known before that's been absent. Firstly, of course, because of wide criticism about the, fa about the fact that he hasn't done very many media interviews, but he did speak exclusively to listeners 
on Talk Radio this morning. Isn't that interesting? Stay where you are for a moment. I'm just going to ask people to give us their reactions as well. 0344 499 1000. You've heard Ross Campbell talking to Boris Johnson. You've heard the things that Boris says. Uh, basically, it is do or die on October the 31st uh, in terms of leaving the European Union. No further extension to Article 50. Changes must be uh, to the withdrawal agreement. Uh, and he says Jeremy Hunt does not believe in Brexit. So are you now more likely to think uh, that Boris Johnson is the right man for the job after hearing what he said to Ross Kempsell, 0344 499 1000. And Ross, one of the things I would say is that, you know, uh, a day is a long time in politics, a week is an even longer time. You know, the fact that he hasn't apparently given that many interviews up until this moment will be forgotten now that he's given them, won't they? Um, I, I think there will certainly be uh, an insatiable appetite for scrutiny for somebody who is attempting to hold the office of Prime Minister with all its powers and responsibility. But I do have to say, just picking up on the point that you mentioned there on the withdrawal agreement, of course, Mr Johnson has said many times before that he would like to secure changes to the withdrawal agreement. He said the words to me in that interview, we need a new withdrawal agreement. Uh, I pushed him on whether that meant that he would accept changes to the political declaration, to the other technical aspects of Brexit, which could be used in October as some kind of fudge to allow Mr Johnson uh, uh, some more time. He backed away from that strongly uh, and suggested very clearly that changes must be to the withdrawal agreement itself. You couldn't, for example, have some kind of mechanism in the political declaration to time limit the backstop. So that is shutting down one of the serious options, which was potentially potentially on the negotiating table. Likewise, shutting down the option of a further extension, which uh, is, is a very tough position to come to in, 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 in October. It really uh, very much is. And, Bo and, and Boris Johnson, of course, is now going to embark upon a series of hustings, still more hustings, uh, still not doing the Sky debate, which has been cancelled. But he is doing a debate with The Sun and Talk Radio, isn't he? Absolutely. Both candidates are committed to that debate. We also have heard from Boris Johnson exclusively on Talk Radio this morning, so we've heard from the man himself. Uh, there will be, I'm told, a media blitz, is what it's being called, by the Johnson campaign. He's publicly campaigning a little bit later today, although we're not able to find out where. So Mr Johnson will be continuing, I think, to, to reject that submarine strategy. And I think you might be able to say, on the basis of that interview, the submarine has surfaced and the captain has got something of his personality back. Ross, absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. Let's go to the phones. Mark is in Castleford, wants to talk about it. Hello, Mark. Hi, Mike. Morning, Mike. Morning. Nice how you doing? Speak to you. Yeah, fine, thank you. Yeah, very interesting. That appeared to be the Boris Johnson that we all knew and, and, and accepted for what he was. Was um, hiding in there somewhere for the, all this time. Yeah, and, and I, the only advice I'd give to Boris Johnson is just what I call myself a normal northern bloke. I'd say, Boris, you just need to be yourself, warts and all. The bit about the cricket went to a cricket match, fell asleep. Yeah. People laugh, you know, people laugh at that rather than, as you say, make up something. So that's what he, need, that's what he needs to do. Absolutely right. Himself. I couldn't agree with you more. And he also sounded, I mean, there are, there are lots of interesting tweets coming in, lots of people being very praiseworthy of Ross Campbell asking the right questions, um, and, and some saying that he sounds like he's blustery a little bit, but others saying, like you, Mark, that he's, he's coming across as a man who is, you know, less frightened of the spotlight, which he never was before, uh, and just is now coming to terms with the fact that he does have to talk. You know, it's not going to do him any good if he hides away. It's not going to do him any good uh, if he doesn't answer the questions that are put to him, even if he doesn't like them. You know, because in the end of the day, he wants to be Prime Minister. It's a tough, guy. It's a tough gig, um, and he's going to need to be showing that he can take it. Yeah, he just needs to be himself, doesn't he? Yeah. That's what, like all politicians, as soon as they start to appear to want to hide something, the public catches on straight away. We all know what he's like. He can't hide from that, so he just needs to go and be himself. That's what he needs, that's yeah. what he needs to be. As to what he brings, hey... It'll be interesting, whatever happens. <laughs> oh, I think so. And that's exactly why I want him to get the job, because apart from anything else, it will never be dull. Mark, thanks very much indeed. And Canary Mark agrees. He says, some say Bojo is a clown, but if there's one thing this country needs is a bit of irreverence, positivity and humour. Hunt is too much like the Maybot. Let's talk to Vernon in Worcester. Hi, Vernon. Morning, Michael. Morning, Vernon. Bye, How are you doing? You by Ross. Yeah, very yeah, good. Very I thought I thought well. he handled it all very well. It's not. I mean, it's not easy to sit in a room with a guy like Boris Johnson and get him to pin down to say anything. Yeah, Ross is the best. He just asks the questions. There's no flannel. There's no fluff. He doesn't try to trick people. He just no. asks genuine questions. And also, unlike and a lot of other political he, he journalists, and also like, unlike a lot of other political journalists, he genuinely is neutral. He doesn't have a, you know skin in the game, as it were. Where, whereas when you see some of these in other interviewers, you wonder exactly where they're coming from. 
Well, I, I look at the interview with much sadness, like I look at the BBC the other night with Emily when she was doing the interview. Yeah. You know, it's bashing Boris. Yeah. Boris has nothing, he has nothing to gain by talking. He has everything to lose. Mm. And apart from Ross, everyone's trying to trip him up. And that was vintage Boris. I've never lost any doubt for him. If we want to leave the EU, if we want to be a great nation again, make Great Britain great, just like the Donald's done in America, there's only one person that can do it, and it's Boris. Yeah. And he actually picked up, you might not remember this, but I did a show some weeks back um, about just trying to be more positive and less negative because we've been taken over by this kind of negative cloak uh, of darkness where everybody talks about how terrible it's going to be outside of Europe, how awful uh, it's going to be for everybody that lives here. I was looking, I was reading a piece the other day by some woman who was claiming that, you know, she needs guarantees that her children will have as good a chance as she had. Well, I'm sorry, life doesn't give you guarantees. Get on with your life, make it as good as you can, create as much as you can for your children, give them as many opportunities as you can. Don't expect politicians to solve everything for you. You're absolutely 100% correct, as always, Mike. You know, this, the, the, the days of entitlement. Oh, my God, we're leaving Europe. Yeah. Oh, my God, I need a visa. Do you know, I went to Istanbul on Wednesday. I arrived at the airport. I hadn't got a visa. Right. You know what I did? I walked 100 yards, paid £20 and got a visa yeah. to go to Istanbul. That was difficult, wasn't it? Yeah, absolute nightmare. You must be, you probably need some counselling, don't you, after that, presumably, because it must have upset yeah. you so you much. Know, like, <laughs> Life will continue. Yeah. It's never going to change, but we need Boris. Boris is the man, and he's the one. He's got to, he's got to get this gig. The Silver Rinse Brigade of the Conservative Party have just got to... We, we don't need Jeremy Hunt at all. Boris is the man to reunite the party and drive the country forward and get us away from that dreadful place called the EU. Yes, have I think day, uh, Mike. I think a lot of people will agree with that, Vernon. Thank you very much indeed. Let's talk to Christine, uh, who's in Essex. Hi, Christine. Hello. How are you doing? I'm fine. What a brilliant interview that was. It was good, wasn't it? Seriously. It was absolutely brilliant. He didn't want to know all this rubbish about what happened last Thursday or whatever. Yeah. And he got him to talk about what makes him happy, what makes him sad, what he wants to do, what he does in his private life, painting, but all right, he paints buses. That's so, great. I love that. You know, big deal. Well, I think that's quite that's funny, though. It makes him, because we've all got something that we do which is a bit dopey, you know? Painting buses is quite dopey, but quite funny. It Well, exactly, but that's what he does in his private life. And he said to him, what makes you angry? And he said, well, I don't really get angry. You know, he has to be pushed, I suppose, yeah. he has to be pushed over the limit. I mean, how many people, seriously, I mean, well, you know, I've had rows with my husband and... I chucked a cup of coffee at the wall, and you know, it's all done it's stupid all, yeah. things. It happens. But what a, what a brilliant and um, all I'm going to say about Jeremy Hunt is he's a backstabber. He's another Michael Gove. Yeah, and also, an and, I th and I think and I think Boris has done him uh, over like a kipper because he's basically said he doesn't believe in Brexit, which I think is true. I know, and he's. I think Jeremy Hunt's done himself. Uh, he's made himself look a bit stupid now because at the end of the day. I don't know about you, but I know that leavers, we voted leave, we don't want any deals, we just want to get out of this bloody, oh, excuse me, we right. just want to get out of this place. And after listening to that interview, I think that Boris is going to do the job. Yeah, I think he is That's too. I think he is too. I think he's coming back. He's made the comeback. People will forget that he didn't give interviews for a while, uh, but he's been maybe forced out into the open. But now that he's doing it, he's going to re he's going to realise he's actually quite good at it. And Jeremy Hunt, I really don't think has quite got it. To be honest, 0344 499 1000. Ross Kempsell spoke to Boris Johnson this morning. We'll talk about it some more coming up over the course of the show. Uh, also, we're going to be finding out precisely why MPs who can't decide what to do about Brexit have suddenly worked out that en masse last night they can actually commit the United Kingdom uh, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland to zero carbon emissions by 2050. They've decided that it's a done deal. Absolutely extraordinary. Chaz says, actually love the questions from Ross Kempsell about what he does to relax, but from his blustering answers, I was a bit dismayed. It's obvious he has nothing in his life apart from politics. Just wish he would string a sentence together in one go. But it was a great interview. Well done, Ross. Well, I would say I disagree with that. I think Boris 
is very clear in his mind, uh, as he said to the BBC last night, he's not interested in sharing his loved ones with the rest of the world. He does not like to talk about his private life, so he has to be careful when he's answering questions about his private life to make sure that he doesn't open the door for more questions to come in. Do you see what I'm saying? 0344 499 1000. We'll take more of your questions. Do you now believe more in Boris Johnson or do you think that he can't actually do the job of Prime Minister, which is what he wants to do. He wants to move into Downing Street on July the 24th. He wants to move out of the European Union on October the 31st. What could be simpler? This is Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, you might think that Parliament is paralysed. You might think that because of Brexit, nothing's getting done. Well, guess what? Yesterday, it was revealed that actually something did happen inside the House of Commons. Something was um, opened and closed. Something was introduced as an open and shut case. Something was actually enacted, which means that the law for net zero emissions started its passage through Parliament and will continue its passage through Parliament, thanks to a government minister who believes, like Theresa May, uh, his name, of course, is Chris Skidmore, that we are in a climate emergency and that we must, at all costs, and that is the phrase that you need to think about, at all costs, pay for the fact that we no longer have any kind of carbon emissions whatsoever. That means you're going to give your car up, that means you're going to give your plane up, that means you're going to give your... Uh, expensive holidays abroad up. It means you're not going to be able to go anywhere. You're not going to be able to have a coal-fired power station. You're certainly not going to be able to have any kind of wood-burning stove. Your alga might have to be thrown away. You might have to go back and live in a cave. Let's talk to Mark Littlewood, Director of the Institute of Economic Affairs, and find out how this nonsense has finally got past us. Mark, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Now, I don't understand what on earth Chris Skidmore thinks he's playing at. Introducing legislation, changing the law, basically, without really much of a, a, a questioning to us as to whether or not we want it done. Um, they basically want to change the Climate Change Act from 2008 to make this a much more draconian piece of legislation, which will come back and bite us on the backside, I would imagine. I think that's exactly right, Mike. I, I think this legislation is rushed. It's wrong-headed. Uh, insofar as there is a climate emergency, this won't do anything to address it. It will be colossally expensive, I mean, always take treasury estimates with a pinch of salt. Yeah. But we're potentially looking at a trillion pounds, that sort of number, a thousand billion pounds to get to net zero. And it is an extraordinarily draconian target. I mean, let's say climate change really is a threat to the human race and we need to cut down on carbon emissions. But do we really need to get them to zero? I mean, not a single additional molecule of CO2 must hit the atmosphere, apparently. What an absolutely absurd approach. I mean, perhaps halve them, for example. That, that would be a much easier target to do. And this is being, I think, rushed through 
because um, our exiting Prime Minister, Theresa May, doesn't really have much of a Brexit legacy. So wants to be seen to do something uh, that she can be remembered for. This wasn't in the Conservative Party manifesto. It wasn't debated or discussed at the last general election. And it is an extraordinarily expensive thing to do. And why it's pointless, in my view, is that in roundabout terms, the UK accounts for between, say, 1% and 2% of all CO2 emissions across the globe. So even if we got it to zero, even if we abandoned all motor cars, all planes, just as you were saying, and go back to living in a cave, it's not obvious that we will help at all if China and India and Brazil and the United States of America carry on as if nothing was happening. Uh, so it's an amazingly expensive piece mm. of virtue signalling, which I think is going to be very destructive for the economy and actually won't do anything to assist the No, of course not. Because I mean, whenever you make the point to any of these uh, idiots in Parliament and say, look, it's all very well you wanting to be the greenest country in the world, but actually there isn't much point while they're building more and more fire stations in, uh, in China built by coal and also when they're all selling many, many more air conditioning units in India because the people now are rich enough to afford them. Uh, and they say, oh, yes, but we must be leading by example. Well, sorry, why? Uh, leading by example is absolutely preposterous. Yeah. Look, if we need to get CO2 emissions down across the globe, you negotiate. You sit round the table with the President of the United States, the, the President of India, the, all of the rest of them, and you try and reach uh, an agreement between yourselves. You don't just lead by example. I think people would think we've completely lost our mind if we said, well, we are going to do this anyway, unilaterally completely irrespective of what any other country on planet Earth does, is um, absolute madness and folly. Colossally expensive. If we do need to tackle uh, climate change, then we, need, we do need a coordinated international approach to it of some size, shape or form. But the idea that the UK will impoverish itself to the tune of about a trillion pounds between now and 2050, simply that we can puff our cheeks out and show what good guys we are on the international stage is a ridiculous waste of money, very poor public policy, has not been thought through at all, and will not mean that our children or our grandchildren live in a more pleasant environment. No, and also, when did it become sort of, you know, gospel truth that all of this speculation about what the Earth might be doing and how soon we might all be dying and burning to a crisp because of the, uh, you know, the lack of ozone layer or whatever, you know, when did it suddenly become, you know, irrefutable? Because I was watching Sky yesterday and they've got some kind of mad campaign going on at the moment, you know, to save the planet, you know, as if they don't probably have the biggest carbon footprint perhaps in the Western world. And <laughs> And they're talking about, you know, they actually interviewed this woman, Jamie Margolin, a 17-year-old climate change activist from Seattle. On live television, not once did they challenge anything she said, not once did they question whether or not she might be wrong when she said that basically the planet was going to become uninhabitable within her lifetime, and that's why she had to become, uh, you know, a climate change uh, activist. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and uh, I'm not a scientist, Mike. I can't speak to exactly what happens in our atmosphere. But I think uh, a little bit more modesty by those who are predicting the future would be most welcome. Yes, perhaps CO2 emissions are harming the environment, and we need to keep a close watch on that. But the idea that we are certain what is going to scientifically happen to planet Earth over the next 30 years if we continue to use planes, trains and automobiles is a folly and a myth. And actually, if you talk to the serious scientists about this, the broad consensus is that something might be happening. But they can't get it to a decimal point of accuracy. No. Nobody can actually tell you exactly what the world will be like in 2050 if we carry on on the present trajectory. So I think we need to keep a watching brief on it. We shouldn't panic. I think there's far too much sort of Armageddon-style campaigning, as if we know for sure that if a single uh, plane, train or automobile continues to go around the United Kingdom, that apocalypse is guaranteed. I think we need to be, as I say, somewhat more modest and unsure about the, the, the science of this. And even if the science is right, we can't really know the impact. People are very, very bad at predicting what will happen to the economy in the next two or three months, yeah. let alone... Well, I mean, you, you can, perhaps, perhaps, you can, perhaps you can point me to the last Treasury forecast that was in any way accurate uh, within a decimal point of, uh, you know, 100. Well, or even, uh, you're quite right about economic forecasting. I work for an economics think tank, but it's a fool's errand. I mean, you, it's nearly impossible to predict what will happen uh, over the next year or so with any certain 
accuracy at all. But I'd also say, look at weather forecast, yeah. which is pretty inaccurate, about whether it's going to rain tomorrow, let alone what the climate might be like in 30 years' time. Exactly. Listen, sure. the irony of all of this is that the, the Met Office has abandoned now long-term weather forecasting. Now, if they don't know what the weather's going to be like, how the hell did anybody else... I think that's exactly right. So we can, I think, look at the science and say there might be a problem here. But the idea that we are going to effectively go to the, uh, on the road to rack and ruin yeah. and potential bankruptcy because we feel absolutely certain that if in 2050 the UK emits a single molecule of carbon dioxide that Armageddon will follow seems to me the most rash, ridiculous and hysterical way to make mm. public policy that I can possibly imagine. My very favourite um, sort of uh, account of it all was when a few Sundays ago after the, the Greta, whatever her name is, uh, visit, you know, where she came and spoke to everybody and enlightened everyone on how the world was all going wrong because we weren't doing what she wants us to do, uh, that they had 11 at 11. A lot of mothers turn up uh, on Sunday somewhere near Westminster Square um, with 11 11-year-olds telling us that they wanted us to save the climate. You know, I've got a 12-year-old and as I've said to many people, you know, He's a very smart kid, but I don't do what he tells me because he's only 12. I think what's absurd about this, whilst it's touching and possibly uh, even good for the long-term future of our country that youngsters take an interest in the world around them and an interest in politics, the idea that we're deferring to them as experts is completely preposterous. I'm interested to hear... Uh, from people who have devoted decades of their lives to studying climatology. And these people tend to actually be somewhat unsure about exactly what the impact could be on the climate. Uh, on the climate. They are measured, considered, investigating it, are experts in it. And if we are to surrender our environmental policy, not merely to a dying parliament that is rushing through legislation without any real uh, oversight or planning, but worse still, to hand over an extremely expensive part of economic policy to well-meaning 11, 12 or 15-year-olds, mm. then we have totally lost our senses. That is a ludicrous way to make major economic decisions. And I very much hope that when the next administration comes in, we call a halt to this. Yeah, quite. Can we not also at the moment write to our MPs and say, excuse me, uh, I don't believe that you are doing this in the interest of the people of this country. I certainly do not want you to carry out this particular policy without giving us a proper breakdown of how much it would cost. And if you continue to do so, uh, then you may face uh, either deselection from your own party or certainly, uh, you know, a loss at an election because we don't want you doing it. I, I think that's likely to be the backlash. I, I was just looking at some opinion polling, Mike, just before coming on air. And if you ask people in the round, do you think we're doing more to help the environment, people will say, oh, yes, in general terms, yes. But when you get into the specifics of, OK, are you happy to say, see, fuel duty doubled, for example? Are you happy to see your electricity bills go up? Are you happy for your foreign holiday to cost 20, 30, 50 percent more? Suddenly on the specifics, people actually look at it and think, well, that's, actually, that's pretty ruinous to our modern uh, lifestyles. So I think actually uh, this is grandstanding uh, uh, by this uh, outgoing government. Uh, I think that the actual policy implications of it, were we to actually stick to this plan over the next 30 years or so, would be hugely unpopular. And I would expect to see a backlash from anybody who drives a car, ever flies by plane, or indeed uses any sort of mod whatsoever. So uh, although I think this is an absurd way of the government making policy. I think we can place our faith in the great British public that the backlash, if they pursue, with it, if they pursue this route, will be so loud, so uh, voluminous, that they'll have to step down, they'll have to backtrack. Uh, I very much hope that's the case, and we're going to have to place our faith not in our parliament and this government, but in the wisdom of the great British electorate. Yes, as indeed we have done in the past, and that served us very well. Mark, thanks very much indeed. Mark Littlewood, uh, Director of the Institute of Economic Affairs. It's absolute madness, isn't it? Craziness that we have somehow allowed our MPs to push through this legislation, which will be very draconian, very dramatic, and will supposedly make no difference whatsoever to the atmosphere of the world. The planet will not be any better off or any worse off by what we do here in the United Kingdom. 0344 499 1000. We'll take your calls next. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We need to be putting some money in police. And on Brexit. And on Brexit. 
uh, we will of course be uh, pushing our plan into action. So we understand. And getting ready to come out on October the, the 31st. 31st, correct. Come, come what may. Come what may. Do or die. Come what may. Do or die. Come what may. I don't know about come what may. Theresa May's out, supposedly. But guess what? She wants to leave a legacy, doesn't she? And she hasn't really got much of a legacy to leave. So instead, uh, she's going to pretend to save the planet. <laughs> uh, she couldn't actually save the United Kingdom. So Theresa May's chances of saving the planet, I'd say, are slim to none. Uh, and of course, on July 24th, we'll have a new Prime Minister uh, in Downing Street. And more than likely, it will be Boris Johnson. He's given a great interview today to Ross Campbell, in which he's basically said Jeremy Hunt doesn't believe in Brexit. And pretty much that will kill him off, won't it? Because there's only a few uh, on the kind of the lily-livered side of the Tory party who don't want to have a Brexit, like people like Dominic Grieve, uh, people who, who, like him, uh, should actually go across the aisle and join the Liberal Democrats if they really want to stop Brexit, because that's the only democratic way to do it. Not to remain as a Tory MP who doesn't believe in anything the Tory party is actually doing, or anything the Tory government under Boris Johnson will actually do. 0344 499 Let's talk to Keith, who's in Watford. Hello, Keith. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Very well indeed. You want to talk about climate change? Yeah, the point somebody to make is that you know, we could go carbon neutral tomorrow and it wouldn't make a jot of difference to the world. No, of course not. You only, you only have to look at what America, India, China are pouring into the atmosphere. But, you know, that's worldwide. Let's go close to home. Poland, 80% of their power comes from coal. Yes. And we're saying, you know, we've got so many people in poverty in this country with energy. How are they going to pay the bills? Well, the reason that coal is, is the reason that coal is such a big part of Poland's energy campaign is that coal, as you say, is relatively cheap. It's very good for people, uh, and 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 is one of the most efficient forms of energy that you can that you can burn. Hundred percent. But we can't burn it in this country. Oh, we're not allowed to. No, that's not allowed. That's not nice at all. Although apparently no, there are some, some people in the Labour Party who want to reopen some coal mines. Well, you, just to look at it, because you can't burn it, because they won't let you burn it. So we can just have, maybe we can have them like museums. People can go and have a quick look and come back, pay 10 pence a shot. Yeah. Money into the uh, government. Yeah, absolutely right. And so, I mean, at the bottom line, uh, with this idea that MPs are now voting in a change in the law, before you know what's going on, this change in the law will come in and you'll find yourself unable to drive a diesel car without paying ludicrous amounts of tax. You won't be able to burn any wood in a wood-burning fireplace. You know, there'll be limits put on you because of all these virtue signalers who think that it will get them the votes of the young. Yeah, well, I think we're going to all be living in caves, dying of cold because we can't burn any wood. <laughs> yeah, well, you might not be wrong about that. Thanks very much for your call. Let's talk to Mike in York. Hello, Mike. Oh, good, uh, good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon. Another great day in the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, has to be said. What a, what a, what a brilliant uh, interview. Wasn't it, just? Uh, honesty. Honesty, yeah. yeah. Um, first of all, though, Mike, can I just mention, um, I think we're a bit embarrassed about what he does in his spare time. I think so, um, too. Maybe you couldn't say. Well, a lot of guys I know, they do uh, what is known as pallet art. You know, we get pallets, empty pallets. Oh, yeah. Normally just, well, a lot of guys I know... Um, they turn them into children playground items. Oh, yeah. You know, just like grandkids. And it might be a bit quirky or whatever, but when you've got Jeremy Corbyn that's into uh, grids and things like that, I don't think it's that bad, do you? I don't think so. No, I mean, listen, everyone's entitled to have a hobby. And preferably it's a hobby that you could admit to doing. And preferably it's a hobby that's entirely legal. Um, and he sounded a bit embarrassed. Some people are saying, well, he's clearly taking the mickey about the whole bus argument and all that. I mean, and he's a very clever man, but I don't think he was ready for that. I don't think he was prepared to make up a story just for, for the sort of amusement of some very subtle people. Well, I don't know his talents, but I know one who was a pattern maker, you know, for uh, casting uh, forged items. Oh, yes. And he, he, makes, um, he makes buses, you know, but he sells them as toys then, but right. you know, kind of. And I had one made for my ne uh, nephew, so... You know? There's no doubt uh, that if, if you've got some kind of skill with your hands and you can spend time doing something uh, which is creative, that's very good for you. Especially especially when you're retired. You get, exactly. Don't lose it. You've got all the tools there. You're not going to get them because they've been handed down from your grandfather, etc. But the other thing is, is I was listening to uh, uh, Boris on what he's going to do with Brexit. And if you look at his team, it's impeccable. Yeah. You know, and if you look at the other uh, end of the spectrum, 
is uh, Rory Stewart. You've got them all there. Ken Clark, Elwood. Oh, yeah, all these people are going to bring down the government. Keegan, Soames. I'm, sh I'm shocked at Soames because he's relative to uh, Winston Churchill. Yeah, I know. You'd get a good slap, uh, I think, if Winston Churchill ever showed up. I'll tell you that. But listen, right, I've got to run. Um, let's talk to Dion, who's in Langley, because we haven't got a lot of time. Dion. Good afternoon, Mike. Afternoon. All this, um, yeah, all this climate change and that, it's, I'm not really having it. I know we've got a lot of CO2 in the air, or whatever it is. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon with it. You know, especially these climate protesters. Of course I mean, they are. Like I say, I'm... I'm 60 now. I remember it's probably about 30 years ago. I remember the same sort of people saying about the ozone layer. 1989, right? The United Nations Climate Change Panel in 1989 said that the, the, the world would more or less be uninhabitable by the year 2001 if we didn't cut down on CO2 emissions, which turned out to be complete rubbish. Same as the ozone layer, yeah. Yeah, no, don't talk about the ozone layer anymore. Apparently the whole uh, healed up. No, it, yeah, it all healed up. They put a big sticky plaster on it. Yeah, yeah. So it's absolutely it, fine. A lot of it, there is a lot of hype. You know, I think it's just these protesters. I think they got nothing better to do. So no, you're absolutely right. Well, I mean, they're everything. all children. They're all children, and the adults are actually worse because the adults should know better than to encourage the children to believe in fairies. Because the whole point of the climate change argument is that you're asking people to believe in something that can't be proven. It's a bit like saying you have to believe in um, the God that made us all. Some people will believe it. Some people won't believe it. You can't prove that he exists. You can't believe uh, in climate change. You can't prove that that exists either. And you can't prove that it's not something that would happen as a general rule and as a natural progression of the world's evolution. That's the point. So why should we be paying higher taxes? Why can't we use coal? Why can I not drive a diesel car? And why can I not go on holiday to Greece on a plane if I want to? What am I supposed to do? Buy a coracle and come to work up the river with a paddle. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.